Yes, good people, it's Francis here from Let's Do Humans podcast. This is just a quick announcement, just to encourage everybody here that's listening to our podcast right now, just to ensure that you subscribe and you follow us on all of the various platforms out there that produce podcasts, that's subscribing to us on YouTube, following us on iTunes and Spotify. I mean, follow us, make sure that you share our content and continue your support, that'll be greatly appreciated. That's Let's Do Humans, L-E-T-S-D-O-H-U-M-A-N-S, Let's Do Humans, one word. Appreciate all of your support. Stay blessed, good people. Uh, my name is Greg Diamond. Um, I'm a physiotherapist by profession. But I've been a long time personal development sort of tragic. Uh, uh, and really that began because in my own childhood, which was fairly unhappy, I, I grew up with a, a uh, an alcoholic and abusive father who was very difficult to live with. Um, he was both very physically, verbally and kind of mentally abusive. Um, so I had uh, several siblings i've got um, five siblings i've got two brothers and three sisters and we all were i guess a little bit damaged by that upbringing um but the interesting thing about that i think is as a 14 15 year old it made me very hungry to kind of find out you know what's life all about you know what is this journey of life all about and and um and I was struggling a little bit at school at the time and uh, and really questioning, asking the deep questions. Um, and my mother, who was totally opposite to my father, who was a, probably a walking saint, I think, um, she, uh, she had got involved with a multi-level marketing company, a cosmetic company, and they did lots of personal development stuff. And she was getting quite excited by what she was hearing and listening to. And so she enrolled my brother and I in a weekend course. And I was 14 at the time. And my brother was 15. And uh, we went along to this course and we were sitting there with about 30 adults, you know, <laughs> yeah. not really knowing why we were there. Um, but it was fantastic in many ways because I first heard the concepts that would later kind of transform my life. Now, I didn't really get it all at that age, but I got excited by this message. I, I heard some very motivational speakers, the likes of, you know, Earl Nightingale on Napoleon Hill, and I hadn't heard that sort of motivational talk before. And Earl Nightingale said something at the end of it. I don't know if you've, if you've ever heard of Earl Nightingale. You probably have. Yeah. Um, He's, you know, one of the gurus of, of personal development uh, from the US. And he said something at the end of this talk. He said, you know, uh, basically, we, we become what we think about. And that was, to me, a kind of revelation because I think I was very much stuck in the mould of, well, I am what my environment has made me. And the thought that I had some choice about my future, that I, I didn't have to be a victim of, of my past 
or my environment that I could actually make choices that would take me forward in the direction I wanted to go rather than being this prisoner to my past was kind of a revolution for me. It was a, a revelation for me. Yeah. And I, it set my mind to thinking, well, what's this all about? You know, how can I have a, how can I forge a new future? How can I break the chains of this um, painful past uh, and a kind of a new future and, and I guess a new positive self-image? Um, and that's what put me on the journey, really, doing that course. And I, I read at that stage uh, Napoleon Hill's, you know, famous book, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. I think I read it when I was, I was, read it when I was 14. Oh, wow. I didn't understand. I just read it recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've read it about four or five times since, and I've got it on Audible, you know, the whole bit. But, um, you know, I would say as a, as a basic um, uh backdrop in yeah. terms of mindset education for every entre young entrepreneur out there, that's the first book that they should read or one of the first books. Um, but again, uh, and I got the concepts of it, but I didn't really know how to apply it. So I, I was getting tickled by the, the potentiality of my future but I still didn't know okay how do I do this how, how do I create this new self-image how do I create this new future um, so I read the power of positive thinking by Norman Vincent Peale I read Dale Carnegie's famous book you know the um, how to win friends and influence people I, I was on this that's on one this of my track. favorite books actually <laughs> yeah it's a great book actually um, and so you know I started as, as I best I could, investing in kind of the literature and the and the stuff that would uh, create this new future for me. But I was still very stuck in the pain of my past and and this uh, very poor relationship with my father. Um, and so that was that was really dictating terms for me, probably till I left school. And even in my first year, my first year at university was a complete disaster. <laughs> I was, I think, going from a, a Catholic all boys school to, to this, uh, to the to free university. I was, I got a bit stuck into partying and uh, you know the freedoms that uh, yeah. suddenly came my way, and I was probably not as concerned about my study as I should have been. Um, so I came towards the end of that year and it was a complete disaster. I think I failed three out of my four units. Wow. Um, I was looking at my future and going, oh, my God, where am I going, you know. Um, and at the same time, I was going through a bit of a spiritual renewal. I, I had kind of rejected my religion, um, rejected the concept of God, and I was going through that kind of young, you know, yeah. agnostic, atheistic kind of, Yeah, exactly. Um, but at, in my 18th year, I, I kind of, I had a spiritual experience, which I won't go into here, that, that kind of convinced me that there was something more out there, um, that uh, what I was rejecting was actually a reality. And so I, um, I, was, I had this kind of God experience, um, and then a couple of, through that, a couple of amazing things happened and I got kind of rejuvenated in my study. I, I, 
I got accepted into doing physiotherapy as, and um, I launched into that career or that study. But I was still very, very much this 50% student, you know, I was, I was getting 51% of 49, you know, <laughs> it, it was, uh, I was hanging around that 50% mark and, uh, and not really working anywhere near as hard as I could. But I had, again, I think I had this dreadful self-image and, um, you know, I didn't know whether I could do it, whether I was capable of it, you know, whether I was, whether I was worthy of, of having more from life. Uh, and then the, the church group that I'd been a part of um, put a whole lot of uh, young people through this course by an American guy called Lewis E. Tice, and it was called uh, um, by, in the, by a company called the Pacific Institute, and it was called Investment in Excellence. Yeah. Again, because of my interest in all things personal development, I thought, oh, this is great. That was a fantastic course. And it kind of put me on the road. I, rather than things being all conceptual and kind of in my mind and, and being more of a, uh, an intellectual trip, this had some practical tools on how to use what I was learning and apply it to my life and situation so that uh, I could get and see the changes that I kind of knew you know, were, were potentially out there. Yeah. And so I did this course, and I, that's when I was introduced into like affirmations and visualizations and vision boards and all those sorts of things, which are probably you know you're probably very aware of. Yeah. Um, you know, even even goal setting, like the the science of goal setting and things like that, which seem you know very ordinary, mundane now for anyone who's seeking a, a life of purpose. Direction. For me, it was all, all a bit of a revelation. You know, I did this course and I had decided that I was going to pull it and so on. There, mate? Um, it kind of faded. Now you're back again. Oh, yeah, we had a bit of a break in communication yeah. there. And so um, I, I got into this uh, doing my affirmations and I decided that, no, I was going to put it out there. I was going to be an 80% student. So I made this goal. Conscious I was going to achieve yeah. 80% in all my clinical stuff that I was doing in the next 12 months. And sure enough, I went from being, you know, a 50% student. I think the lowest mark I got in that next 12-month period was 75%. Wow, amazing. And was that like that an immediate was, change after you made a revelation? Absolutely. When, when, I, when I started doing affirmations, started visualising, started goal-setting, that was the thing that took me from kind of coasting along, just getting by, yeah. to actually achieving this 80% mark. And that did it for me. I thought, wow, okay. This mindset stuff works. Yeah. You know, when you when you apply the tools, you can literally change the programming in here yeah. and get and let that reflect in your in your life. And so that's, that's like I launched then into 
really from that time on, I did affirmations. I've done virtually affirmations for the last 30 or 40 years and, and goal set and so on. Apart from the affirmations, what, what were some of the habits that you adopted that, that helped change your mindset? So some of like the day-to-day -day habits or changes in your routine, for instance. I think well, routine would probably be that that developed over time, um, but certainly my daily routine now, because I recognise that you know, self-discipline is really important. If you lack discipline, discipline is a, is a muscle. You yeah. can work it and you can build it, and I certainly have done that over my life. Um, and I have, I, I would start every morning, um, I'm probably jumping a few years now, but uh, I think there are definitely success routines. And when you talk to any of the, of the gurus out there, whether it be your, your John Astaraf's, whether it be your, your um, Brian Tracy's, whether it be your Brendan Burchard's, whether it be, you know, what it, the, all the guys out there, your Breno Browns or your Marie Forleo's, they all have and have worked out the discipline of a daily routine. I, I start every day with at least 20 minutes of meditation. I then use, I do 20 minutes of affirmation and visualization where I literally uh, imagine the life that I want. I have my goals, I read my goals, I read my affirmations. And if people aren't familiar with affirmations, an affirmation is a positive statement, first person, present tense of the change or the or the goal or the thing that you want to achieve in your life, written as a statement that you read every day and at least twice a day. Sometimes I do it more than that. So, and then reading the affirmation, you then visualise what that looks like, whether it's a, a change in your own kind of personality, whether it's a goal that you're achieving, whether it's a financial goal or a, a business goal, a work goal, a relationship goal, a fitness goal, whatever it is that you have made into a statement that you now, you know, you now state. So I would state, I would state that, I would read it, and then I would spend time imagining, using my imagination, and as um, I think it was uh, Einstein said, you know, your imagination is a preview of life's coming attractions. Yeah. So you're, you can use your imagination to see your life going forward. And when you see and imagine it vividly, your subconscious doesn't know that that's not real. Your subconscious doesn't know the difference between reality and something vividly imagined. So it thinks you are that person. It thinks you are have achieved that level of income. It thinks you have achieved that relationship. It thinks, and so what it does is it puts into motion in your daily activity the things that are most likely to bring that vividly imagined um, result 
into reality. And that's the importance of staying positive as well, because I, I, whenever I speak to a lot of young people, I always tell them the, the powers of staying positive and thinking positive and, and imagining and envisioning positive things for yourself. Because if, if you're doing the same thing the opposite way around, then you're going to attract the negative and the negative is going to happen because that's what you're constantly affirming on yourself. Exactly. And we know that our, we know from the psychology um, research that you're you have a part of your brain that's called the the, um, the RAS, the reticular activating system, which is a cluster of cells mostly in the midbrain. And their job is to bring to your attention the things that it has worked out are important to you. So people think it's magic, you know, like the law of attraction, that, that things, they make these statements, they imagine this result, and things start changing in their life. But in reality, it's about the reticular activating system because what it does, it's it's the thing, you know, if you've bought a new car mm. and you've got a car and and uh, say you've bought a VW and, and now you, you've got your new car and you're driving along the road and you're, it looks like every second car's a VW. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. You've never noticed. You've never noticed all those VWs before, but now you've got one. Your RAS, your brain has decided. Oh, obviously, having a VW is important to you. So let me point out to you all the VWs in the world. That, that happens <laughs> to me a lot. Stuff. Yeah, and I never used to realize what that was in terms of like the the mechanism that you just explained. I just used to realize. Wait, now there's like blue. Fords everywhere. <laughs> it's like how how come there's all of a sudden blue Fords everywhere since I purchased one? Exactly. Mm. You know, it's like um, I remember when we had our first baby. You know, and you know, you, you're not. I've never noticed baby stuff before, but all of a sudden, you know, Anne's pregnant. We're going to have a baby. You know, <laughs> and all of a sudden, oh oh, there's a baby clothing shop over there. I never noticed that before, even though I've driven past it, what, 10 times? Yeah. Oh, look, there's, there's a uh, daycare centre there. Oh, I never noticed that. I never noticed that daycare centre there before, even though I've driven past it on my way to work 50 times. Yeah. You know? So all of a sudden, your brain it gets tuned into what you are now programming is important to you. When you vividly imagine something, a lifestyle, a home, a job, it starts pointing out to you all the things that would lead to you getting that situation manifest as a reality. So all of a sudden you bump into a person that you haven't seen for ages and you're having a conversation and they, in the conversation they mention something about a job that you've been imagining that you're going to um, procure and, and you say to them, oh, you know, where's this job? Oh, you know, at my work, you know, oh, okay, you know, where's your work? And all of a sudden you, you think, oh, wasn't that a coincidence? But you would have had the same conversation, but because you hadn't programmed your RAS to look out for you, you wouldn't have even picked that up. Yeah. But now you've heard in this conversation uh, an inkling or a, a some clue from this conversation that there was a job at this guy's work that might suit you and it, because it's the picture that you've built up in your mind by your vivid imagining and your affirmation. So that's how your RAS works for you. All of a sudden it plugs into creating and providing you 
with the things that are already in your environment that you would not have seen before that will actually take you closer to the realization of your dream. um, Business opportunities and, as you mentioned, job opportunities. Everything just starts being highlighted to you and you're able to then pinpoint. All, All of a sudden you see it. In fact, it was always there, mm. but you, you weren't programmed for it. Yeah. So that's where it's very exciting when you start to this stuff, how, how um, coincidences start to happen, how you see things that you didn't see before. You know, it's a, yeah. we know that, you know, you don't, you don't see something and believe it. We believe something and then we see it. And we see that's it. kind of how it works. So, you know, and, that, and that's our world, you know. We, we think we are seeing the world via our senses, mm-hmm. and we are. But our senses let through the information or our activation system filters through the information that confirms our belief. Yeah. But this is the other thing, that when you get into affirmations and visualisations and you change the belief about yourself, now you give your RAS and your subconscious the chance to um, reprogram the old self-image to a new self-image, which then um, opens up your world. It gives you the self-belief. It gives you the sense of worth that you need to achieve the new goals and new levels and new ideals that you're, you're kind of going through in life. So it's a very exciting thing. It's all psychology. Yeah, um, it, it really all... is. And, and it's quite intriguing because um, re- recently I was having a conversation with someone and it's actually in relation to what you initially talked about in regards to you realizing that you wasn't your current state or your current environment, that you're worth more and you can possibly become more with these necessary changes. And um, a question that someone asked me was that, um, does everyone have the ability to change? Like, is that ability innate in all of us? Because I, I believe it is, but there's some people out there that have accepted their current state so so deeply that they just believe that they're they're not a part of this change. And as as yeah. as, as that being the case, then they would just live as they are. Well, we know from the science, mm. it's simply not the case. Yeah. Us, when we're born, fifty percent or more of our brain cells are not wired together. They're just floating around free. Mm. And they will wait to wire together as we make sense of our environment through our senses. So if you like, half our brain is unformed. And it will form, particularly in the next three to five years, with the input that it gets. Now, Fortunately or unfortunately, that influence is going to be provided, those connections, those neural pathways are going to be formed by our environment. And who are the significant people in our environment at that point in time? Our parents, our siblings, our teachers, our extended family, whoever it might be. And they are going to greatly influence how our brain and personality is formed by what they say to us, what they demonstrate to us, how they confirm or affirm the qualities that they see in us or, or not. So if you get a lot of negative input, you know, if you're told that you're a little 
shit. Mm-hmm. If you get told that you're an idiot, that you're a moron and all that sort of stuff, connections are made between neurons and that becomes a neural pathway. The neural pathway joins with other neural pathways. It becomes a neural network. The neural network now holds your that belief. Wow. So most of the beliefs that we have about ourselves are formed in the first five to six years of life, most of which we have no influence over. They are basically put on to our brain. Yeah. And, and we live, for some of us, we live the next 60 years of our life, 70 years, 80 years of our life with a impression of who we are put on our brains in the first five years of life and we never get beyond it. Yeah. Now we know we actually can change those neural pathways. We can change personality. We can, you, can, you can develop gifts and talents and abilities. You can... We never lose the um, chance to form new neural pathways. We used to think that we had, you know, your trillion um, neurons when you were born in your brain and that was it. It was all downhill after that, that you just lost them. (laughs) But now we we actually never lose our ability to form new brain cells or to make new connections between brain cells. Yeah. And I think it's, it's that's so true because when you, when you speak to a lot of people who grew up in environments where fear and, and anxiety and all these things were kind of imposed on them, when they reach a certain age in life, they, they're fearful of absolutely everything. And that's that's in regards to taking opportunities and taking chances. And yeah. how do we go about sort of like regaining our courage again? Because if you grew up in an environment where fear was instilled in you as like your one of your core fundamentals, how, how do you come out of that? I think the first thing, the first and very real thing is awareness. Mm. And this is where I think reading stuff like you're like watching, um, you know, listening to podcasts and watching stuff online, reading good personal development books is you grow in your awareness that the old pattern, the old programming is just that. It's just a program. And like any computer program, it can be wiped. It can be modified. It can be changed. It can be added to. You can put a new program in place. Now, for most of us, we're not going to lose those first six years of life. They will probably always be with us. But what we can do is we can put in place new neural pathways and partly that is about making a decision the first thing is the decision the power of decision Mm. i am not going to be like this anymore yeah and when you make that decision that's a neural pathway if you've ever seen the um online you can see where they where um the neural neuroscientists have shown where when a new thought forms where two neurons join up and a a neural pathway is formed and you see a thought a new thought a new concept actually makes connections and becomes a reality so when they say you know thoughts are things literally they are things they are this very real connection between brain cells so you can make new pathways new thoughts 
provide new pathways and then what you have to do to make any new pathway stronger you have to reinforce it mm. how do you reinforce it you repeat the thought you repeat the words yeah. and that's where the affirmations that. come in yeah exactly yeah. so repeating repeating affirmations words and then thinking about it and then visualizing what that looks like you turn that that thin neural pathway into a road, into a highway, into a super highway, into a freeway. Yeah. So that's all our thoughts, all our actions, all our habits of thinking and acting are just neural pathways that have now become established as part of our program. So you can create a new program and that's exciting. Yeah. It means none of us are stuck where we are. All of us have the power and the potential to change. And that's unequivocal now. We understand by the science of brain plasticity, we all have the power to change. And that's exciting. Doesn't mean it happens overnight, yeah. but we all have the power to change. And that's just a decision. It's then reinforcing that decision. It's visualizing that decision. And then it's, it's taking action to reflect that decision. Yeah, most definitely. That, that's amazing to hear because I think some of the struggles that people tend to have mainly is just acknowledging the fact that you can be the change that you want to happen. And I think one of the things that happened with me in particularly in terms of my change from my struggles was accountability. I realized that there, there was a problem and um, the problem wasn't necessarily someone else's fault. It might have been a, a, a circumstantial thing, environmental thing, yeah. but nonetheless, um, as long as I'm, I'm, a, I'm a free thinker, as long as I've got a mind and I can acknowledge those issues and be accountable for them, I'm also accountable for the change that I want to happen. And that definitely yeah. worked wonders for me. Um, th there was something, there was one of the videos which I was recently watching. Um, I'm just trying to remember exactly what it was in regard. It was, it was, it was about stress. So he was talking about using stress positively. Because I know I know stress um, can can infuse people can sort of like put the additional pressure on people to prevent them from achieving or prevent them from getting up and making something happen. And you're talking about use stress versus distress. Yes. Can, can you just elaborate a little bit about that in regards sure. to how to positively use stress? Look, we certainly know that stress can be a negative, um, particularly when it's sustained. Over a long period, um, it can it can cause irreversible damage to the body and the brain. I, I shouldn't say irreversible; that's not true. It, it is it is reversible, but it can certainly affect us physically and mentally, and we're all well aware of that. But what's also interesting in the research is that depending on people's attitude to stress their mindset to stress, the effect of stress can be very different. And the research shows that uh, if people, uh, there was a, a great um, study done where they looked at um, I'm just trying to think of a specific example. There's one great one done with um, hotel workers in the States where hotel workers were a group of hotel workers were told, these are the people, you know, that clean the rooms and, and uh, 
and, and look after the place, clean the place. And they were, this group were told, were given a lecture on the fact that the, the um, calorie output and the exercise that they were doing when they were working was the equivalent of a gym workout every day. Yeah. And uh, the control group weren't given that lecture. And then after six weeks, the um, group that were told that their work was the equivalent of a gym workout every day had lost on average, I think, 15 pounds between uh, each worker on average. What had changed? The control group lost no weight. This group lost all this weight. The only thing that had changed was the information that these people had had this this talk, which yeah. had changed the way they thought about their work. Yeah. And the same thing has been found with stress. When people were given a lecture about stress being, uh, there were two groups. One was given a lecture about the stress being positive, that it stimulates um, thinking that stimulates creativity, that provides energy for for work, that it it has all these positive outcomes. The other group were told, look, stress can be very detrimental. It can affect your health and well-being. It can, you know, yeah. <laughs> affect your mental health. Then the two groups were taken through various stressful exercises, yeah. and we're not surprised, the group that were told that stress has all these positive effects way outperformed the group that were told that, that stress was a negative thing. So what, what changed? Both groups, there was no difference other than one was given a lecture about the positive effects of stress. Yeah. So your mindset, how you think about stress, will actually affect how you are actually affected by stress yeah. both, both mentally and physically yeah. wow. so and when you think about it nothing grows nothing expands nothing gets better without some stressful action if you're a bodybuilder say and you want to you know Build up your biceps. <laughs> the gains. You can't build your biceps up unless you stress them. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, you barbells and use weights. Yeah. And and literally, you stress the muscle. In fact, the more you stress it, the more growth you will have. And when you understand that stress can have this positive effect, then it changes the way you deal with stressful situations. Yeah. Now. There are also tricks and tips for controlling overwhelming stress. And then I think you get into things like using breath, doing breath work. Yeah. You know, um, taking six slow, deep breaths mm -hmm. and, and blowing them out through pursed lips. Big breath in. You know, it's amazing how that lowers your cortisol levels. Yeah, because I, I realised yeah. that actually when 
when people breathe most of the time, we're not really breathing in a controlled manner. So we're breathing in a way which most of the time is most likely stressing the body even more than it's supposed to. So it's just those yeah. simple those simple processes that we're not doing currently because we constantly seem to be under stress. So we, we end up doing things that are stressing the body even more because of how we're perceiving. So with breathing, breath, breath work, you can calm yourself down or you can hype yourself up depending on what you want to want to breathe. Um, and I would recommend a book by Dan Brule um, called Breathwork, I think it's called, yeah. uh, which is a great one. Um, uh, again, John Asaraf talks about in his book Inner Size, mm-hmm. which has some great exercises. Right. That he talks about. Check if that's on audio book. I'll check that out. Yep. Um, that's, that's a, a great thing to do. And it, people can go online and get into Wim Hof stuff. Mm. Wim Hof, um, you know, he's the Iceman. Yeah, the, the guy ice, that swims yeah. in the Arctic and Antarctic and, you know, climbs Mount Everest in his shorts and boots and no shirt. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. But control whole physiology by using breathing. So breath work is a fabulous way to get hold of an adverse stress response. Yeah. So it's good to learn the tips and tricks of controlling an adverse stress response, and you can do it with breathing. And the other thing, but the other thing to know is stress is not the enemy. Stress can, in fact, be very powerful in terms of taking you forward. You know, our brain, it's interesting. We know that um, what stimulates new brain cells, for instance, is a chemical, a protein in the brain called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Now, the thing that stimulates BDNF to be produced is physical exercise, particularly high-intensity work or weights work. Now, what, what will happen is if those new cells are produced and they, they'll hang around for three to four weeks, but if no connection is made between those cells or to those cells, you will lose them. Okay. And what, but what we know makes connections are lear- new learning. Mm-hmm. So if you like stressing your brain by particularly like a new language, a musical instrument. Yeah. Um, That's why they say it's important it, to um, have kids play instruments and get involved in sports because it, it helps the brain develop. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, brain training, doing puzzles and, and, you know, all those sorts of things can all stimulate connection. And the other big powerful connector is social interaction. Yeah. So getting into, a, into social situations, relating to people socially. And, of course, as, as people get older, the three things they tend to do is they, they do less, they're less active, mm. they stop learning, and they become more socially um, isolated. So the three things that are going to physically and mentally affect you are those three things. So if you want to, you know, push your brain, if you want to expand your brain, you've got to stress it a bit, both with physical exercise and with new learning. So we all grow from stress. We can't live in a stressless environment we will wither away and die, both physically and mentally. So stress is good for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic to hear. Because um, I, yeah. I think during the lockdown, one of the biggest 
factors and worries for most people has been stress because everyone's at home, they're worried about what's happening out there in the world and they're just trying to find new ways of keeping themselves active. And that's why I'm always constantly um, um, pushing the importance of exercising and, and reading because you've got all this free time that there, there, there is ways of keeping the mind and the body active. Absolutely. And there is, you know, we are, you know, this situation is not great, mm. but but we have, people have so much information now at their fingertips and there's been so many good people out there putting courses up for free, you know, just trying to help people, yeah. you know, everything from cooking to, to postgraduate degrees, people have got yeah. online. Yeah. Um, I'm taking advantage of so, a few of those right now at the moment. I'm, I'm doing a few um, Harvard and Open University stuff at the moment. So, Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, it's, it's so stimulating. Yeah. So it's a, it's a funny time, but you know these strange days have created some interesting opportunities at the same time. So yeah, you can get lost in the stress, or you can use the stress to stimulate new growth, new learning, and and uh, a new future. Yeah. So you know, fantastic, Gregor. One last question before I let you. I don't, what time is it over there actually? Because you're. Uh, it's about ten to nine. Oh, okay. So it's a bit late. You're the, you're the second person based in Australia that I spoke to this week. I spoke to someone else in yeah. Brisbane just yesterday, and I, I feel like I'm messing up you guys' sleeping patterns <laughs> because my time schedule is completely different. It's like 10 to 2 over here, and obviously it's a bit later on in the evening um, on your end. Yeah. Um, so um, I had a question that was put forward to me to ask you, and that was um, they, they, wanted, they, they wanted to know the importance of goal setting. So what is the true value of goal setting and how to truly go about it? Um, look, I think we all goal set, whether we realise it or not, whether we do it as a structured process or an unstructured process. Now, for a lot of people, their lives are a series of goals setting in an unstructured way. Yeah. You know, when you get up in the morning and you're thinking about getting home for dinner that night, you set a goal. You're yeah. thinking about it's a projection into the future about something that you want. When you're thinking about the weekend coming up and you're thinking about the things that you want to do on the weekend, you are goal setting. You know, oh, yeah, I want to catch up with my mates and have a beer down at the pub, you know. That's a goal setting thing. And what are you thinking about during the week? You know, so you ring, it actually then dictates your activity. So you get onto your, on the blower to your mates. Oh, have, you know, we're going to get together on Friday night down at the pub. Yeah, great. Oh, awesome. So you've set a goal. You've now taken action to make sure the goal becomes a reality. So we do that all the time. You know, it's, and mostly successfully, mm. but it's haphazard. So when you get to that Friday night and you have the drink and you have a great night out with your mates, you actually set that goal either earlier in the day or earlier in the week and you made it happen. Hey, you can do that with any component of your life. Do you want a better relationship? What will that look like in the future? Oh, um, my partner will be this sort of person. My partner will have you know these sort of attributes my partner will and i can imagine that and see that and what have you done you set a goal for a relationship and you structured it and now your ras goes to work for you to bring things into your 
um, environment that will trigger that goal to become a reality. So goals are, as Einstein said, your imagination playing you your future reality. Yeah. So if you want to structure your life, structure the life. Don't let life dictate to you. You dictate to life what you want. How do you do that? By setting goals in every area of your life whether it's financial, whether it's business, whether it's your work, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your sport and your recreation and, and your spiritual life or your, your learning, all that sort of stuff can all be goal setting. It is all goal setting. You, you might call it something different, but that's what it is. Yeah. And you can actually sit down and say, okay, what do I want this area of my life to look like? And when... Do I want it to look like it? Yeah. So goal setting is really just dreams, but given a time frame. Yeah. And remember, there are no unrealistic goals. There are just unreal, unrealistic time frames. So just because you set a goal, in a year's time, I want to be earning twice my income. Mm. That's a real, that, that's realistic goal. But look, the time frame may not be realistic. You might find that you get to the and you've only achieved forty percent of that journey. But tell you what, forty percent increase on your income yeah. now at the end of the year—that's pretty good going. Okay, it's not doubled, but you know what? You just extend the now. You just extend your time frame out. Okay, progress in the towards next, it. Yeah. yeah, the next six months I'm going to achieve that goal, or I'm going to say next six months I'm going to achieve eighty yeah. percent. Uh, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. So there are no unrealistic goals. There's, there's sometimes in unrealistic time frames, Dream, but yeah. then you just extend the time frame out. Yeah. But every area of your life can be powerfully um, constructed by setting goals, then write them out. Because if you set a goal and write it out, your brain recognizes, oh, this is significant. And what the psychologist will tell you is that connection between when you write something out and, and I'm, it's it's not such a dynamic connection by the way using a, a keyboard when you physically write that physical connection to your brain actually implants it in your brain and makes it uh, a stronger neural pathway we talked about neural pathways before and then every day if you read your goals aloud and keep them as a reality, whether it be – I do a whole webinar on this, actually. Um, I think it's important to have a 10-year out goal okay. for the very period of life and, and something exciting that you want to do with your life or go with your life. We call that the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. But then back it up. Okay. Ten years out, that's where I want to be. But five years from now, where's that? What's that going to look like? Three years from now, what is that going to look like? One year from now, what's that going to look like? In three months' time, what's that going to look like? To get to that, those three monthly goals, what is my weekly goals going to be? Now, what are the what are the tasks I need to complete today? to make my weekly goals. And then when you get to the end of the week, okay, set the next weekly goals on the way to my three monthly goals, on the way to 
my yearly goals on the way to my three yearly goals and so you can you can break it down into bite-sized chunks just by thinking about it that way yeah and that's really important again from our psychology because we know from the psychology that what is really um, powerful for humans human beings is the sense of progress so if you can take a bite-sized um, goal that day, if you've got a task that you complete, it gives you a lift. Mm. You feel like you have momentum. Yeah. You feel like you have direction and, and progress, and that is a positive thing. It releases all those great chemicals in your brain like dopamine and serotonin and, and uh, oxytocin. And so the next day when you achieve some of those goals at the end of the week when you review it and you you know what I've achieved three of those five goals I set myself I feel like I'm going somewhere you know and then the next next week and so on so goal setting is really important from a, a motivational point of view and it's all and very important from a, a, a psychology point of view from a RAS point of view and bringing everything in your mind and mindset that is going to Focus your skills, abilities, and your energy on the direction that you want life to take. Yeah. So goals focus you. It, that you, you know where you're going. You can't, as, what is it, uh, I think um, Zig Ziglar says, you know, um, you, you'll, always, you'll always hit a target you're not aiming at. Like, in other yeah. words, <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't say that quite right, but basically, I, I, you know, I think I know which quote you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think I know which so, one. You know, if you're not aiming at anything, how can you hit anything? Yeah. You know, if you're aiming at a bullseye, if you're if you're doing archery or you know you're shooting a gun at a target, even if you miss the target, at least you're aiming at it. Yeah. And what you do then is you correct your aim. Mm. And if you think about it, any successful outcome is just a series of corrections for being off target. Yeah. If you like, failure. Failures are just an opportunity to correct. To correct, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and I think, so, I mean, failures, when, when you do come across failures, it's not a case of overly beating yourself up on, about in regards to that failure. It's about realising and reflecting and seeing what was done wrong and then correcting it for the next time around as they say failure, failure there's no such thing as a fail is is a lesson in essence if you're trying to get exactly. to a particular destination so that, that makes, makes so much more sense yeah, yeah. that's definitely yeah. but i'm greg really appreciate that today like i mean i, I felt that I've, I've learned a lot myself let alone my audience so i think initially they 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 the worry that i felt most people had in regards to why i wanted to speak to you was that um a lot of people feel like their, their situation and their current circumstances, that's it. And um, I wanted to demonstrate to them that, no, your, your current circumstances and situation, it doesn't make you. And it should definitely not break you. And it should serve as a motivator for you to be able to go out there and change your mindset, first of all, in understanding what position you are in and understand that there is better out there. And if you do want this better, there are processes you can take in order to achieve the better, which you have clearly highlighted for us today. So I, I truly appreciate that. Um, is, is there anything else you wanted to um, leave the audience with before we head off? Um, look, I, I was I was very interested when you were saying before about how you you realised you had to accept responsibility yes. for life, and I 
came to the same point that despite the fact that I had this past, which was, you know, forgettable, <laughs> um, in many ways that past was a gift to me yeah. because it gave me the mindset and the motivation to change my life, to have, get more from life than I, than I received. And you are not responsible. We are not responsible for us, as I said, those first five or six years of life. We have little, we have little chance to change that or to influence it. But now as adults, we have the power to change those that old programming. So we're not responsible for the pain of our past, but we are responsible for the direction of our future. We now have the, the power and the opportunity to take our own lives back and to make our lives what we want to make it. We don't have to play the victim anymore. We don't have to be the puppet on the end of the strings. We can become the puppeteer. Yeah. Um, and your your um, comment reminded me of um, uh, I um, I was lucky enough to have dinner with Jocko Willink, who's the the um, Navy SEAL. Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah, amazing guy, and uh, really really interesting guy, and has a great podcast as well. And, yeah. and um, he he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. Yeah, um, highly recommend people to go. It's about accepting responsibility for your own life, yeah. no matter the um, trauma, the pain, and the problems that may have beset you in the past. Don't blame anyone else. Don't blame the government. Don't blame the tax system. Don't blame your education. Don't blame. You have the power now to take your life and do with it what you will you can become the, the master of your own ship, yeah. you know, the creator of your own life. You've the pencil, the paintbrush is in your hand now. That's really that's the message I really want to get out to people. You can you can take yeah. up the, the the baton and make your life your own. Yeah. And that's the exciting thing about what we understand now about the brain and and uh, our, and positive psychology. That's amazing, Gregory. That's that's an amazing piece to end it with. Like, it's, it's, it's left me feeling even more motivated than I was earlier on this morning. So I, I really and truly appreciate that. And um, um, I hope my, my audience and my listeners, and particularly like they, they, my young audience, um, get something of extreme value out of this, because I definitely did. And hopefully one day we can catch up again in the near future and, and, and delve further deep into um, some of these topics. So I really appreciate you coming on Let's Do Humans podcast today, Gregory. And um, well, hopefully you have a fantastic day. Well, what else you got? Well, you, you're in the evening right now, so I'm sure you're you're about to head off to sleep shortly, aren't you? Probably <laughs> yeah, I'll be heading off to the. <laughs> yeah. To the, yeah. We're pretty busy at the moment, as I said, packing. Oh, yeah, we sold our house. Yeah. Out, we're out soon, so. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's all it's all go go go. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, good luck with that, and um, hopefully we catch up another time, Greg. It's been an absolute right. pleasure hearing from you today. Take care, thanks, Frank. Stay safe and take care.